to the Pop Culture Club Podcast. I am Jim Lazkowski. It's been a while since I've done a proper episode of this spin-off show here, but I'm doing my best to keep it afloat. As some of you know, I launched a podcast network on January 15th. It is called Now Playing. It's the Now Playing Network, which you can visit at nowplayingnetwork.net. Please, I implore you to check out the very first episode from the great music enthusiast whom you heard on the last episode of the Pop Culture Club, Mr. Jim Hankey. His podcast, Vinyl Emergency, is out and it is terrific. I highly recommend it. Obviously, I wouldn't have chosen um, his show to be on the network if I didn't highly endorse it. But um, seriously, it's the numbers are great. Things are looking good. The overwhelming response has been positive as well it should be. He deserves to be heard, as will the other shows in the months to come. There's going to be a couple more definitely uh, in the works, let's say. So lots to look forward to on the Now Playing Network, which does host this show, Director's Club, uh, Vinyl Emergency, Eric Childress's upcoming podcast, Bill Ackerman's upcoming podcast, and possibly more to come throughout the year. So thank you so much for the support. You can always donate over there on that website as well, if you are so inclined. But for 2016, we're starting out with a guest here that I consider to be one of the best songwriters I've had the pleasure of meeting and hearing. Her name is Carrie Hopper, and she fronts a band called The Room Outside, and will most likely um, be fronting a new band under a new moniker within the months to come, I presume, which we we touch on later uh, in the conversation. So I met her through a friend of a friend. Uh, Dan Solomon introduced me uh, and introduced me to her music through uh, mutual musician Tony Presley of Real Life Tigers. So yeah, they were all kind of um, in the same circles, I believe, down in Austin. So I think she was visiting relatives in Chicago and was invited to play songs at Dan's apartment. And uh, I, got to, I got to open for Carrie, and I did. I remember being kind of an emotional wreck. I remember playing... Uh, uh, Tom Waits cover called If I Have to Go and nearly sobbing at the end so I chose to end the song earlier than expected but my set paled in comparison to the songwriting genius and I mean that um, of Carrie so um, I, I continue to be floored by her lyrics her unconventional chord structuring her guitar prowess, and a rather unassuming delivery that was, or that is, kind of hushed and um, still melodic at the same time. You know, her influences are kind of all over the map in, in a good way, and her songs, both of her records are very consistent, but always interesting in, in their approach because they're they're. They're pop songs, but they're also folk and kind of spacey and definitely reminds me of the kind of work that we we touched upon this too because I brought up in an email a couple years back. It reminds me of 
a little bit of what Beck was doing with mutations and sea change, um, even if she was more inspired by her uh, or by Beck's pre-Mellow Gold era of songwriting. I still think One Foot in the Grave is one of Beck's best records. Um, and, you know, if you really want to get sort of Carrie's take on that approach to songwriting, I highly recommend her first record. Uh, it's called An Unusual Move, which I believe you can find um, for sale in, in various outlets, hopefully. But, um, yeah, you know, what, what I respond to the most in music today is honesty and vulnerability. And Carrie seems to have that in droves. So, obviously, I wore out both of her records, um, An Unusual Move and The Room Outside. So I decided it was time we, sh- we catch up now that I have this podcast where I interview musicians. So it's, she's someone I consider to be an acquaintance of a lot of friends and musicians that I truly respect and admire. Um, but I, I do consider her a friend, so there's you know obviously some bias, but honestly, even if I never met her in person, she still would be uh, definitely in my top 20 of all time. And I know I'm the, the king of hyperbole, and I know that I have a tendency to do this very often on, on several episodes where I interview musicians, but uh, I just... I, I I don't know. I I really mean it. And I've said that before, too, where I go, I really mean it this time, but damn it, do I mean it more than ever. So I wanted the listeners to have an opportunity to get to know Carrie for themselves, to experience a little bit from The Room Outside, which I opened the show with, with a song called Busy Mind. And I'll link to that in the show notes, of course. And uh, a couple other songs will be interspersed. And my favorite song of hers will be played at the very end. So I hope you get uh, you enjoy this conversation that you're about to hear right now here on the Pop Culture Club podcast. I'll begin by saying that, yeah, I remember, I think it was 2006, maybe, when one of my best friends from high school, Dan Solomon, he was living in Wicker Park and hosting house shows in his apartment. Uh, I I got to play a couple of them and went to several, obviously. Uh, One was very memorable in that I got to see and meet this band called Tiny Folk for the first time. because And what's special about that is both members went on to become lifelong friends and they eventually moved from Bloomington to Chicago and have, have maintained a long connection with, with both members of that band. But another is just as memorable since I had the pleasure of opening for Carrie Hopper. I believe I had heard, I don't know if it was out by, the, no, I think it was Unusual Move came out later after you played that house show correct uh i think so yes yeah uh, sometime in 2006 yeah yeah because i think i heard your songs for the very first time at that house show i believe um mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so when you released an unusual move, I thought it was one of the most beautiful lo-fi recordings I had heard in a very long time. And in a sea of DIY CDs and going to house shows and people flooding me with um, you know, homemade demos and things like that, this this record I constantly went back to. It reminded me of listening to old 45s my parents listened to when I was a kid, mixed in with like a little bit of Nico and the Velvet Underground, but with the folk sensibility of some of my favorite songwriters like Bill Callahan and Kath Bloom. Have you ever heard of Kath Bloom by chance? I have heard, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was smitten with the record and the songs, and of course, there, you know, I wanted more, and there was a <laughs> long gap, but that's fine, because you had to have a lot of experience and time to yourself and, you know, time to reacclimate to um, the next stage of your life. So it took maybe six years to release another full length, but this time with a band that goes by the name The Room Outside. So when that came out, no surprise, that self-titled debut was my favorite record of 2013. And of course, I had to make Carrie aware of this fact uh, and did my best to keep in touch. So this brings us all up to date. And I could not be more thrilled to have a conversation with one of my favorite songwriters in the universe. Oh, my God. <laughs> Carrie. Thank you so much, Jim. Of course, I haven't traveled the entire universe yet to confirm or deny yet. But I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on my astronomy degree. Um, no, oh, cool. Not, not, no, I'm not literally. But <laughs> um, you're, you're a seeker. <laughs> yeah, I try. I try. So I'm sure you've gleaned that uh, I've m maintained my fandom. And when you when I got a hold of the room outside, I was like, oh, my God, it's so great. <laughs> I think I was living in Grand Rapids. That was probably like the last time I um, I corresponded with you. And I was like, oh, my God, you got to come to play Grand Rapids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember that. Yes. So, you know, before we get to the recent endeavor with the band, let's start from the beginning so the listeners can get a sense of how you started writing songs in the first place. Okay. Was there a specific time and place you can f recall falling in love with music and ultimately deciding it was something you wanted to pursue as a creative mm -hmm. outlet? Well, I'll just say my uh, being a fan of music... Um, and just having a passion for listening to music started very young. Um, and particularly I had, my mother had pretty good taste in, in songwriters, uh, different country songwriters that kind of stuck with me. Rodney Crowell, um, mm. uh, Keith Whitley, uh, people like that. They were on the radio. They weren't the, maybe the number one, but they, they just had an interesting, uh, voice in the scene um and i had an uncle too who was into all kinds of music and into a lot of the pop music of the 80s too <laughs> uh pop and rock but yeah he just got me so excited about it um i remember as a young young girl being in the bathtub just playing in the bath in the water and hearing the echo of my voice, you know, realizing, now that I look back, I realize 
you know, I, I felt something there. I was playing with it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until uh, I was a teenager in the mid-90s, um, listening to all the alternative rock at the time. Well, so was I. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I got a guitar, started playing Weezer and all that. Of course, we all did. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I messed around with it a little bit um, in my early, tw- in my late teens, uh, started writing instrumental pieces for guitar hmm. uh, before, before I'd really heard what classical guitar was I was kind of playing around in that style and, and composing instrumental pieces and stuff like that uh, then I found a teacher uh, teach me classical and um, so my first album there uh, an unusual move um, that was heavily influenced by that classical guitar training. Um, and then just the music I always loved, the folk, pop, rock. Um, it's kind of a combo, a yeah. combo of all that. Um, but definitely uh, that guitar style, um, yeah, the way I wrote melodies back then, it, it was so entwined with the melodies I was writing on the guitar and, um, you know, following longer melodies like in classical music and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of evolved naturally, just loving it, trying it, studying it, uh, and just, yeah, exploring. Absorbing it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. imagine. And you know, the thing I've noticed re-listening is how unconventional your chord structuring is because I think of a typical pop song, you know, even even a couple of, you know, Weezer songs are, you can kind of predict like, okay, they're doing A minor to F to C to G. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of a, a good hook for a melodic chorus and a lot of pop choruses might follow that tradition but the thing i noticed especially when i first listened to an unusual move i could not predict what the next chord was going to be yeah and that was so exciting for me because like as a musician that became like so attuned to pop conventions you defied Mm -hmm. them but you still carried a melody that got stuck in my head (laughs) i just thought that was awesome yeah yeah i was I was very into writing things that surprised me too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was exciting for me to write that way. And, um, yeah. And some of that, uh, I think we mentioned in an email, you mentioned Beck. Um, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. In my teenage years, I was totally into all that early Beck stuff. Um, Pre-Mellow Gold or... Was it one, one foot, foot in one, the yeah, grave? Yeah, one foot in the grave, totally. Yeah, stuff like that. Walk till you're restless, sleep till you're tired. Wake up without thinking, you're the one that I desire. So I think that probably influenced it too. Uh, and then the classical just going all over the place. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And, you know, some of the arrangements on there, like, I, you know, Twilight Song, I still get goosebumps when the violin kicks in and stuff. A Twilight Song couple of the friends on that album um i've been friends with since i was 11 and oh wow yeah we we met in san antonio but ended up in austin in the music scene together and um one of the people on the on that first album will courtney um he ended up producing the room outsides album in santa fe um so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And now he's back in Austin too. Uh, him and his sister Lily uh, are really good friends of mine, musical friends. And we just kind of end up in the same cities, you know, over time. So. Yeah, it seems great. it seems like that environment is inspiring in of itself. I, ca- mm-hmm. I can imagine that living in a place like Santa Fe um, – influenced how you wrote songs for the room outside because it just it seems expansive in a way with with like open spaces i don't know how to describe it but i get this like otherworldly feeling like it feels expansive and kind of complementary to the desert landscape even though there's they're also really beautiful pop songs at the same time so it, I, I, I imagine that forming a band and living in a different environment um, helped, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you f- help you to evolve a, as a songwriter too. I think it did. Yeah, being uh, there's there is a music community in Santa Fe, but it's definitely a lot smaller than what's yeah. going on in Austin. Um, and to me. I had my close friends in Santa Fe, um, but yeah, there was a certain element of a lack of uh, musical immersion mm-hmm. and influence um, that I had in Austin that just, yeah, just created this huge space, and you you said it, um, that album is totally, uh, totally inspired by the desert and by that vast feeling and um yeah so uh i i just ran with it um and you like there's a song called heaven um yeah which was inspired by the beauty of the land uh, i used to live out in in the foothills of the mountains oh, and it was just so beautiful looking out my window and so that song i live in heaven is just you know, that's my life right now. <laughs> and yeah, just getting up just, in the morning and looking out the window is enough to make you pick up the guitar. Yeah, definitely, definitely. all the songs on that album uh there's even 
one love song called The Middle of Nowhere. Mm. Um, and I decided I want a love song on this album. Uh, and I just, I just applied that, those vast feelings, the feeling of the desert. It's like a, yeah, it's like a desert whimsical romance song in the middle of nowhere. That just captures it right there. <laughs> uh, the feeling of being in love, being, being nowhere. Um, but it's a good, good feeling, freedom all the way around. I'm wondering about how your words kind of shape themselves. It's kind of interesting that you opened an unusual move with a lyric like, and I went to war to prove to myself I was ready to live. Um, and on the room outside, it ends with no more looking for it. I'm ready to begin. So is it inherently autobiographical? Um, or is it just an amalgam of different things like books you read, stories you've heard from other people, or is it really just personal experience filtered through what we've just talked about, like a deep appreciation for your environment and nature? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all of the above, definitely. Um, on my first album, it was a little more autobiographical with uh, with some fiction woven in, uh, but... Um, the Room Outside album, I definitely wanted to get more universal and mm. kind of step step back for myself. Um, and so, you know, you got you open up with a song like Once Upon a Time, and I'm singing about, uh, you know, our ancient civilization uh, through time. And... Um, so that album is definitely a, a step back in a way, but of course, personal elements are running through it too. Um, yeah, that's but, inevitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't always start with an idea. I want to write a song about this. Sometimes, you know, it comes naturally. I, I tend a lot to get the melodies first for the lyrics and plug words in that go rhythmically into those melodies. So. Ah. Yeah, that's, uh, that is... Yeah, I guess that's how m- my mind works, too. Like, I always hear... It's usually when I'm, on, when I'm on autopilot, like, driving or something, that I'll hear <laughs> something in my head so, kind of randomly. A melody <laughs> will just sort of come to me, and then I try to match it to chords and then think of lyrics that'll match it rhythmically, too. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah get the little flow going and then the words start filling themselves in. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, there's definitely a storytelling quality to the songs and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm curious too. Let's, you know, get to the evolution towards being in a band. You obviously toured as a solo artist and wrote songs pretty much on your own. Was there always an itch to collaborate more and experience life on the road with a band, you know, consistent group of, 
musicians? I did. Uh, part of it kind of just started naturally because uh, when I was in Santa Fe, uh, which I spent seven years there, um, I started back into the solo thing. Um, but then my sister moved there and she got a bass and we started playing together. Uh, the drummer, Lauren, you know, he was someone I met one night and we we wanted to try playing music together. So it kind of came naturally. Um, but definitely, yeah, being out there in the desert, um, it was it was a good place, a good base to tour from um, and get the movement going, get out there in the world, play a lot of shows, just an intensive, an intensive, <laughs> um, and then come back to that, that place. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I just, were you, you know, was that something you thought about early on was, I just, I, I would like to, you know, get a band to play with in the future, you know? Yeah. I wondered about it, um, mm-hmm. and actually, the room outside that record, I I recorded two versions of. Um, and first, I recorded in Austin uh, with one of my friends, Michael Landing, and it was just sounded more like a solo album. It was just me and my sister on bass. The songs were a lot slower, um, and then. Uh yeah, then it just evolved into into playing with them more and and realizing yeah I think I want to do this put it out as a band. Um, also, uh, as I, w- I was taking voice lessons at the time, developing my voice and really wanting to start projecting more. And what what better way to do that than to get a little power behind you, support you, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, I'm sure you've got. I'm sure you've gotten this question before. But where does the room outside? Where does that name sort of derive from? Um, it is a. I saw it in Santa Fe. Uh, my sister and I had a friend that was 92. Is 92. Oh wow! This lady is amazing, and she just. She was a rock collector. She had a, a huge uh, succulent greenhouse with all these exotic types of plants and just a very interesting woman. She had a very interesting library. And looking through that, uh, one day we we were reading this book on gardening, and it referred to the garden as the room outside. Aww. Yeah, and That's we said, great. That's it right there. That. It just says so much, uh, yeah. So, it, and it's a perfect description for all those desert feelings. <laughs> sure, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. What can you think of any memorable um, experiences being on the road? Was there was there a show that stood out to you that really made you feel connected, and or was it, uh, you know, kind of kind of kind of a consistent experience or were there ups and downs like like I kind of would expect <laughs> from <laughs> being on the road from my experience uh-huh. well we we did two tours for that record 
the first one was amazing. Uh, we started we started the tour in Denver. We went north from Santa Fe, went to Denver, and which I had never been there. Um, and we played an awesome show. There was there was an awesome crowd. Um, I ended up meeting my sweetheart, who we're still Aww. together now, two years later. Um, and but it was just really cool to discover that there's an awesome scene there um, where I felt completely comfortable. Um, and then that tour was just amazing. We we um, went through the Midwest and we went all the way up to Maine. Um, oh wow! Yeah. And it was just wonderful. Um, I remember, I'm trying to think, we did two, sh- two tours where we went toward the east. Um, and, yeah, I think just exploring Atlanta, uh, Washington, D.C., a couple other places where it was just really cool to get into the scene. I'd never tapped into Baltimore um, it was great. The, the first tour was very, um, bonding for our band. I bet. Yeah. Uh, the second tour w- had a little bit more ups and downs, uh, but it was very valuable as well. And, um, yeah, so, and now, um, now that I'm back in Texas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be playing a lot of shows in Austin, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I I didn't bring my sister and drummer with me, so. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh no. But, um, but something new is happening, which is I picked up the bass. <laughs> oh, sweet. And, yeah, so that's taking my songwriting to a totally different place. Uh, more based on on grooves and things like that, making a you know creating a fun feeling, creating um, different feelings than I think I did with the guitar. Um, so oh, nice! You're gonna be like Victor Wooten, or <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't sound like the transitions on Seinfeld, I think I think you'll be safe. <laughs> You're not going to slap it too much, I'm sure. No, no, no. Uh, I'm actually studying a lot of Motown right now. Oh, good. You got to listen yeah. to Songs in the Key of Life. That is like a masterpiece. Yes. Yes. A masterpiece. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's that's exciting because obviously that leads into the next question of where do you see the room outside going from here, especially with the mm-hmm. transition and all. Yes. I think uh, I think it's something that that probably will come back um, in the future. Um, sure, me and my sister are going to want to play music together again, and um, and maybe Lauren too. And um, but uh, but yeah, right now I'm I'm kind of pivoting, uh, and I'm playing with the sweetheart I mentioned. <laughs> uh, he's a really good guitarist. Um, he was in a Denver band called Fingers of the Sun. And That's a cool name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're starting, we're writing a lot of songs right now and just writing a lot of fun, fun music. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be working on this year. 
uh, probably doing recordings, maybe touring too. Awesome. So there'll probably yeah. be a new moniker of sorts. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Yes. The more the merrier from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm, uh, I'm definitely, now that I'm out of my master's program and, um, yeah, I'm really dedicating my time to, to music. So there's going to be a lot more coming for sure. That's that just made my year. <laughs> you know, um, I got to go out on, on on a high note, of course, because uh, some of my I don't know why I've re- I've come to this realization that a lot of my favorite songs are in the key of A major, and I I don't know why. I guess it's just something that my brain clicks to, um, mm. and re-listening to the song on fire. I was like, uh, I was just goosebumps all over, almost in tears. Um, I just think it's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I really do. And uh, (laughs) man, oh man, it's like, it's one of those, you know, feelings like it's hard to uh, like articulate and say, this is exactly why I think this song is so great. But, you know, clearly I'm going to play it on the podcast so everybody can hear it for themselves. But, you know, the, <laughs> the he, you know, here in the temple of time, in the light that blankets all the seas, sitting in the warmth of my life, on fire. Ah! Genius! <laughs> Carrie, my gosh, you're just one of the best songwriters ever. I'm standing by that to my grave. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, that song, um, it doesn't surprise me that you get goosebumps. And when I was living in Santa Fe, um, yeah, over the course of that time, I ended up becoming real close with um, one of the older cats on the scene, kind hmm. of. A, he was in his, I think he was sev- in his 70s. Um, he ended up passing just mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, but we worked together a lot and I had written this song on fire. Uh, it was a little faster. Lyrics were a little bit different. It was good. It was a totally different version than what's on the record though. Um, and I worked with him on it for a while. We worked on the arrangements. We just kind of ended up coming to that. Um, I ended up a lot with his guidance on that song. And so there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of weight in that song for many reasons. Uh, one of them is that very special relationship that I had with, uh, his name was George Comenteros. And he was, a he was like a kind of a jazz guy, kind of a Broadway, he played piano, he just... He knew songs, and um, yeah, he used to coach off-Broadway in New York and Toronto, um, and he worked with a lot of, uh, a lot of names, a lot hmm. of uh, big names, but um, yeah, it was just, uh, I was so happy that we got to work together in his last years. Is, did he play piano on that song? Because that... that- the piano in that song is really great too. Yeah, no, he actually didn't. But uh, Will Courtney, who produced the uh, album, yes. 
he channeled him. He kind of played like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, it's a beautiful song, and you've written many of them. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. <laughs> one of the most perfect songs you've ever heard okay well i think so and i hope you do too thank you so much to carrie hopper for taking uh 40 minutes out of her evening to speak with me it was so much fun so good to know more about her and her songwriting process um please visit popcultureclub.net the now playing network well, actually, it's just nowplayingnetwork.net 
for all the shows hosted there. Um, and of course, Directors Club Podcast. Dot com. You can send me an email at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com or nowplayingnetwork at gmail.com. So yeah, stay tuned. There's more shows to come, including uh, weekly episodes from Jim Hankey, like I mentioned, with his excellent, excellent show, Vinyl Emergency. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And uh, thanks again to Carrie Hopper. Have a good night.